Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with Sam Ekstrom inside TCO Performance Center. Wanted to give you an update on what we heard from Delvin Cook today. And then I've got a fun conversation with Kaylin Kaler uh, of The Defector that was recorded before the Delvin Cook accusations came to light. So we have a discussion about the Vikings and the NFC North in the future and what's going on with Deshaun Watson because she's reported on that along with some midseason stuff. So maybe bring a little light to some very tough times in the football world if you're a Vikings fan. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. But Sam, maybe we could start out by just reacting to Dalvin Cook. He had very little to say about accusations uh, that he assaulted his former girlfriend, um, the entire case gets very convoluted because on her side she is saying that she came to his house to get her things and that they got in an altercation which resulted in some very serious injuries of which pictures are also included in the lawsuit and have come out as well whereas delvin cook says that she came into his house sprayed him with mace that's how they got into an altercation and he said today that he is the victim but the biggest maybe takeaway from today besides some of the new things that have come to light are just that the nfl is not going to step in here and delvin cook is set to play against the los angeles chargers and this thing is just going to sit and linger over the minnesota vikings and delvin cook yeah, it's been over seven years since I covered the Adrian Peterson season. And if that taught me anything, it's that as a journalist, as an observer from afar, as a fan, you kind of have to just withhold opinions. You just have to withhold judgment until stuff comes in. Um, because as we speak now, we're not even 24 hours into this news cycle. New information is coming out constantly as both sides try to sort of stake their claims to what happened, getting their message forward. Dalvin's agent um, sort of got this ball rolling with Adam Schefter on Tuesday night. Uh, we've had DMs get released. We've had photos get released. You know, TMZ has added to the story. There's some squabbling about how the civil suit was served to Dalvin Cook. Um, it's messy right now. And I think, you know, the danger that the Vikings got into with Adrian was that they tried to just carry on as usual without having all the information, without having a chance to see how sponsors would respond, how the fan base would respond. And the Vikings reversed course. Remember, they, they said that Adrian Peterson was going to continue playing, and they defended him. And then Radisson comes out and says, um, you know, we're not going to stand by this. 
and the Vikings changed their mind. And Adrian Peterson ended up on the commissioner's exempt list. He didn't play for the rest of that season. Um, so just because he's going to play as of today, I don't know if that's true tomorrow. I don't know yep. if that's true on Friday. But as we've sort of discussed already, it's a very blurry line when this league you know, differentiates so tightly between legal and civil issues. Um, it it allow it it really does put the onus on teams to make these decisions when you know people's jobs are at stake when you win or lose and you have to decide whether this valuable player should play um, on your own when it's not in their hands um, you you might not always make the right decision like Sean Watson you know is kind of the obvious case right now to look to where it's a, of civil nature he's allowed to play but he's not playing the Texans have decided so it's 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 all very murky and messy, and uh, you know I, I don't know how long the information we have today will be valid, or if it gets obsolete quickly if we right. get new information, right? So you know, bear with us as we sift through it, and also you know, just sort of pump the brakes. We don't all need to have our opinions set in stone today. Yeah, the fluidity of the situation is what uh, makes at least the podcast elements of this difficult. I mean, I recorded with Kaylin Kaler yesterday in the middle of the afternoon and thinking, well, okay, this this conversation is fun and it'll be good for tomorrow. Um, when everyone is kind of feeling down about the Vikings, we can have something that's kind of kind of fun. And then all of a sudden, by later that evening, everything, the entire tenor of this has has changed with with one tweet starting with Adam Schefter and then a lot of other things start to come out after that as the Star Tribune does their diligence and puts out some of the more um, you know disturbing details of the accusations and I think there's another part of this where the the, the world of reporting has made it twice as hard on reasonable people and this goes for anything this goes for politics it goes for sports and. What you could see is a strategy from Delvin Cook's side to shape the narrative right off the bat through Adam Schefter. And as reporters like you and I who take the approach that you just laid out of being patient and trying to gather all facts before you want to form an opinion or form the entire picture of something, to put that out there without fact check or anything else, just here's what's happening um, a lot of people I saw quote tweeted. I saw very famous people quote tweeted and, oh, Delvin Cook has been victimized and everything else. And then a lot of other uh, reporting gets done that makes this look a lot different than that. And I thought that was a, a tremendously bad job on Adam Schefter's part to if you believe that your job as a reporter is to tell the, the story of what's actually going on to the public. He did not do that. He instead acted as a complete mouthpiece and shaped something from the jump that might not be that. And then the photographs come out and everything else. And if you're the NFL, if you're the Vikings, what other option do you have to also, I think, sit and wait and see what happens? Because we could see uh, legal action being taken beyond just a lawsuit. That's still possible. I mean, if you're the police and you see these pictures, um, and how would you not think about investigating this more, right? The FBI is investigating Deshaun Watson. So uh, I, I don't think that we're over from that yet. And I guess I wonder about whether, 
as this starts to spread and gain momentum, if we will have a situation like you laid out where uh, ESPN is talking about it 24 seven, it transcends ESPN to the CNNs and the Fox newses and the CBS newses and all those sorts of things to where it becomes a story that is on the evening news. And then there is pressure from all sorts of places that you could never anticipate. I mean, this is actually kind of how it felt with Kirk Cousins and the COVID thing. And they're dealing with this with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, where when something transcends football, it is so much of a different level of pressure than it is when NFL network is talking about you and, you know, Maurice Jones drew is giving his take or whatever, you know, like this is way different than that. So like you said, that could change very, very quickly. And I don't know how in the world, Sam, you can avoid this distraction. Like there are distractions of, Hey, Bashad Breeland put out a really stupid tweet. What an idiot. Everyone's mad at him. Uh, that's like a one and a half out of 10. This is like a nine or a 10 out of 10. What they're going through now with Delvin cook. Yeah, and this is the classic conundrum for teams. Dalvin Cook is really good. Therefore, and this is just reality, he is going to get more patience from the team. He's going to get a longer leash, and they will exhaust every avenue to see if, you know, A, can he play this week? B, can he remain a part of this team? Like, if things escalate. Um, As we saw with Jeff Gladney, first-round pick, the Vikings were not going to, you know, immediately make a move. They were going to let things play out. And that that's how things go across the league. That is not specific to the Vikings. That when you are of high stature, of high salary, and you are valuable, um, there is, you know, sort of a precedent where teams are going to give you a lot of benefit of the doubt. Now, the Las Vegas Raiders have sort of zigged away from that a little bit in the past couple of weeks. And and the two, the things that have been, you know, that have come out about Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett were very heinous um, and almost necessitated an instant reaction by the Raiders, but um, they have not waited. Uh, I think the Vikings will slow play this. They are not going to add any more severity to these charges than already exists in in the media. I think they're going to proceed. And Mike Zimmer really downplayed it. I mean, maybe to a fault today where he said, um, like, it is what it is. I don't know much about it as if he had not investigated or been told about the case, which I thought was, you know, maybe I know he's tunnel vision on football, but it felt to me like this required a little more research um, to know the facts of this case because, you know, it, it involves – you know, the, you know, violence, obviously. Um, and, you know, if Cook alleges that there was mo- there were multiple instances of violence on her part against him, um, you know, she's a member of the U.S. military. I don't know what kind of role that plays in it either, but it's, it's messy, man. And people, you know, you don't really PR train for, for the, for these situations. Like you can, you can kind of know what to do, but it's really hard to know exactly the right move. Um, so yeah, we just, and, and the, and the journalistic standards too, I'm rambling a little bit, but you know, there's valid information that comes out sometimes through like strange places that have some truth, some falsehoods, and you have to know how to sift through it. Like, you know, random Twitter accounts putting out stuff that seems legit or, you know, websites that don't really have journalistic, 
um, wording or speech, but might have like actual information, that makes it even harder. Yeah, and I guess what I would just um, advise people to do is to, and I know that there's a lot of folks who like to run to social media and express their opinions on everything that's going on. And uh, I, I would just as an aside say that that's one of the reasons it will be very hard for the Vikings to duck this and just say it is what it is. I don't really know what's going on, whatever. It's a civil case. Well, once pictures come out, and this was the case with Ray Rice. Like Ray Rice didn't go to jail, but there's a video. And when there are pictures, that changes the game. Uh, and, and that means that those can be shared everywhere mm-hmm. on every TV station, every newspaper, every website, whatever. And then it, this becomes, since there's a he said, she said type of nature to this, it becomes people taking sides. It becomes... Uh, maybe even domestic violence groups starting to get involved mm-hmm. to to want more information or to want Delvin Cook taken off the field and like th- th- that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is like it starts to to grow quickly and for a team get out of hand quickly and that's why from Mike Zimmer's perspective more tact was probably required here mm-hmm. because it is what it is will now be the thing he said about it right after. After Jeff Gladney's thing earlier in the year, right, where you you would hope that there would be a little more sensitivity. But I just wanted to, to clear up and, and run something by you and see how you interpret things. Just And for the people that might not know all the information, I, I interpret this case as um, Dalvin Cook accuses this girlfriend, ex-girlfriend of, you know, breaking and entering, trespassing, assaulting him. And I... My read on it is, is that, in his eyes, justified whatever action was taken um, against her, which I guess is the, the intention would be to say, like, okay, these pictures happened. Like, this is yeah. real, yeah. but I had the right to defend myself. Is, right. that a, is that how you interpret his case? It is. It is. But the, now you talk about how things change so quickly. It was first painted by Adam Schefter and... Uh, Delvin Cook's representative as if it was just a break-in and Delvin Cook then was held hostage and fought his way out of it and that's how and that's what happened here and then that changed very quickly when we found out the relationship between the two was an on-again off-again former girlfriend type of situation and so that that does seem to be the sticking point is did she come into the house and attack Delvin Cook or was she getting her things to leave and she was attacked by Delvin Cook? That seems to be the sticking point and, of this, right? Right. And and if right. So like if the case is about whether she broke and entered, um, and not whether Dalvin Cook, you know, used physical force, that that becomes so much more difficult to prove unless there are like very clear text messages or surveillance video. Um, It is a, he said, she said in the truest sense, which, you know, probably means that this lingers and probably means that we never have real resolution unless there's a smoking gun somewhere, um, which is yet to come out. It's going to be really hard. And it sounds like Dalvin has a couple witnesses that are at least in his camp that are going to, you know, promote his side of the story, whether it's true or not. Right. That's right. People who know him that would be, you know, biased witnesses in some way or another relation 
people he's related to, that kind of thing. Um, so that's hard to figure out as well. And then there's other things in this case, and I'm sorry to get so deep in the woods of it, but this is what you're going to hear over the next number of days probably, is she, during the incident, called someone. Uh, she went to a doctor later, told them that the injuries had come from an ATV accident to not um, you know, go after Delvin because they eventually got back together. And then they had talks after breaking up, like eventually going both ways. They had talks about possibly a settlement and those talks broke down. There's also a text message from him that appears to apologize. Like there's, there's so many moving parts here that it's very, very challenging to sort through and say, ah, this is what happened. There was no with Ray Rice. There was just like, that's what happened. We all watched it on video. The same thing sort of for Kareem Hunt. It was like, yeah, you pretty clearly kicked that woman on video. But this has a lot of, like you said, parts that we have not been able to fill in as of yet. But there could be a lot more to come. There could be nothing more to come. And this just sits. The, I guess the thing I think about, though, is that the NFL has gotten itself into a real conundrum here by saying when it's civil, it's not our problem because the NFL after Ray Rice, they had all these star players making videos and we care about domestic violence and don't, you know, that sort of thing uh, because the NFL had a real problem with it. And then now to have Deshaun Watson accused of assaulting 22 people and you have Delvin cook accused of this, and to say, sorry, well, that's civil, civil. Well, anybody who knows the legal system anyway knows how hard it is to prove domestic violence to a criminal level anyway. Like, that's right. extremely, extremely hard to prove that um, on a criminal level regardless. Um, neither one of them filed a police report at the time. So that there's a lot of things that are just sort of lingering. And now there will be more things that come out, more rumors and accusations and things like that that come to light and we sit and we wait i guess because i can't tell you like you said by the time everyone's listening to this he might be off the field or nothing might have changed i don't know and uh i guess we'll continue to follow it the best we can but from the football perspective which i have always come back to with everything is hey we cover football here so it's not inappropriate to talk about the football it's so hard to see this team overcoming these things. We haven't even, we're 17 minutes into this conversation. We have not even mentioned that Dakota Dozier's in the hospital, by the way. And 29 people, presumably all vaccinated because they're not in the COVID protocols, had close contact with him. So who knows if there's other COVID cases that could emerge as we go forward here. It's not something that immediately I breathe on you and you get COVID and test positive. So there, I mean, there are so many things hanging over this team. They just played 98 plays. They've lost all these close games. This just has the feeling of, I don't know how you claw yourself back from this. The Chargers are just hanging out. It's like 90 degrees in LA. Like they have no problems. I, I mean, I, I don't know. And you got to fly out there after being on the East Coast. This is, this has a feeling of 2016, 2010, like the other seasons that have just been hit so hard by distractions of some kind or another that I do not know how they overcome this. Yeah. The, um, the Everson incident in 2018, if you remember what happened, that's right. That Sunday, it, I mean, an absolute no show and it's hard to find the exact correlation, but I think there's validity to it. Not to mention that, you know, th this is 
a pretty important member of your offense that is presumably going to be on the field for the whole game. So where's his mind going to be at? Um, and how does that influence, you know, his relationship with teammates, his relationship with coaches, because this is so ongoing. And I'm sure that privately people draw their own conclusions, you know, in their own minds about what's happening. And uh, that can't not, you know, sort of take its toll on, on a football team. The chemistry, chemistry is real. Um, it's incalculable, but it's real. And this team is, I mean, if they can overcome this somehow, maybe that's a galvanizer. Maybe that's their ticket to like have hope in the final third of the season. But, but man, at the halfway point, you cannot get at like much lower from a morale standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not even to mention Adam Thielen's Monday podcast. It just felt like someone who can draw up an X and O play, get me the football. <laughs> I mean, right. So what, what did he say? I didn't well, see this. Well, Ad, I mean, Adam Thielen was the, the whole, we've got the guys and you and I discussed this yesterday, but like, as oh, I, the, oh, the press conference. Yeah. His, Adam oh, Thielen's press conference. He said right? podcast. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. He does a podcast. He does, yeah. Everyone's got a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the funniest line in Shit's Creek is when <laughs> the guy says, if you had only listened to my podcast. Uh, but um, Ray, is that Ray? Yeah, Ray. Yeah, Ray. great character. Underutilized, hilarious character. Anyway, so uh, Adam Thielen saying we've got the guys. You know, when I went back and thought about that, I thought, I mean, that, that sounds very much like, come on, coaches. Like, get us some footballs. Like, let's go. How is this happening? And, you know, you got that alone, I think would be really difficult for a team to deal with, where it feels like Zimmer's talking about plays that aren't working anymore, and there's a lot of fingers being pointed. Like, Clint Kubiak, I guess, is sort of off the hook for this week. But, man, I mean, he's he's got to still be feeling it as well, that everyone is pulling him in a million different directions. Hey, why aren't you running more boots? Hey, why aren't you getting us the football? Hey, your running back is distracted. Hey, your right guard can't play. Like, hey, you know, all these things. Why do you keep losing close games and so forth? And uh, then you've got all these other things as well. So, as I mentioned, had a very good conversation with Kaylin Kaler of The Defector and would have loved to have discussed this topic with her had we uh, known it was coming, but we didn't. So um, that's coming up next here. And, And I think that, you know, if you're just here to listen to football stuff, then that's good for you. So, all right. Um, here, here's that. And sorry about everything as always. Folks, football season is in full swing, but we've got basketball and hockey getting rolling as well. And Soda Stick has got you covered. You have to see the Moose t-shirt designs for Marcus Felino. You can also get your hands on the very popular Dollar Bill Kirill shirts as well. On the basketball side, the design with three wolves howling at the moon, perfect for the spooky fall season. And the design with the wolf carved into the state of the Minnesota is just awesome. It's very cool stuff. And hey, for you college football fans, Check out the Tanner Morgan t-shirts as well. Soda Stick has tons of hats and hoodies with all their great designs on them. You will love it. Go to SodaStick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Check that out today. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. And also follow myself and Soda Stick on Twitter for our giveaways. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Joining me, making a return appearance to the show, is Kalen Kaler. Not good enough to be credentialed by the Green Bay Packers, but a very impressive resume, having written for MMQB, Bleacher Report the last time we talked, and now one of my favorite websites on the internet, Defector, which I have great admiration for as, just call it like hashtag goals, for everyone from Deadspin to have left and launched Defector on the subscriber model has worked out very well, and I thought they did a great job in hiring you, Kaylin Kaler. What is up? Great to have you back. Thank you. Um, yeah, I love Defector. It's been really fun. It's very freeing to work somewhere that we don't have owners, you know, hanging over our heads, you know, about to pull the plug on everything or lay people off or change the vision or pivot to video. Um, and you understand that, obviously. So, yeah, it's great. It's great to be um, independent on our own, doing our thing, and you know, establishing ourselves as we're in year two now of a company is still my first year there, but um, September was the anniversary for Defector. So um, we've had great retention rates so far for our subscriptions. So things are going great. That is awesome to hear. And uh, the Packers need to figure it out when it comes to getting your credential there. But although I wonder if they're just uh, on edge in general because of some mildly bad PR that they have undergone recently. Yeah, I think that might have something to do with it. And um, well, I will say that historically they have always been really um, wary of new websites and new things like that. Like I think they even when the athletic was formed, I think they even like waited a little bit during the athletics very beginning. At least that's what they told me. So I don't know. And, you know, Bob McGinn's website, like they didn't credential him. So they have always sort of held this line, but it's a weird line to hold. Um, and I do think like this week, yeah, they're probably <laughs> going to be a little bit more protective and wanting to limit like who, cause I was trying to go to the Seattle game this weekend, uh, which you know, would be Aaron's first time speaking to Green Bay or NFL media. I'll, I'll say that outside of Pat McAfee's show where he's not going to be asked a question. So, um, you know, that, that would be his first time. So I was trying to go to that to be like, Hey, you know, and the thing I would want to ask him is like, what is your definition of woke? Because I don't think anyone knows what it means anymore. And like, everyone just kind of like throws it around willy nilly. And personally, I don't even know what it means anymore. Like, I'm not sure. And that's why I really want to ask him, like, I'm not trying to like, you know, gotcha him or anything. I just like truly want to know like what he thinks that word means, because it would help explain, you know, the ways that he's used it. So that's really, that's the question that I want to ask him, but I guess I won't be able to, maybe I'll feed it to somebody else who's there. It does seem like there's a menu that certain celebrities read off of anytime they've been, uh, I don't know, caught or whatever, just being bad. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers can do what he wants, but being a complete liar to the entire world, uh, that's a little bit of a different level. Now, I don't know if it'll affect how he plays or anything else. It probably won't because him acting this way all the time has never affected their wins and losses. So I guess uh, that part of it will probably eventually go away. But you're so right with the like, oh, here comes the uh, checkmark woke mob checkmark did my own research checkmark that like none of this stuff is even halfway intelligent man and I think what is so interesting just about athletes in general is you know sometimes you get guys who are dumb football players but really smart and interesting people and you're like well that's a shame and then sometimes you have 
somebody who is an incredibly brilliant football player that clearly does not really understand a lot of the rest of the universe. And sometimes I think we set our expectation at like, oh, he's a great football player and everything else. And he should understand the rest of the world. But somebody who lives in LA, he's married to a celebrity, only dates celebrities, has a gazillion dollars. And no surprise, he seems to live on a different planet than the rest of us. So it's kind of been, I don't know, it's just been weird for me. I, I wanted, I did want to ask you since you brought it up about your opinion on like him in the the McAfee show, because I go back and forth on this journalistically. Um, and I promise we'll get to some Viking stuff and everything else with you. But I, just since you brought it up, yeah, uh, like athletes going on athletes podcasts, like journalistically is sort of like, oh man, come on. You got to ask some real questions here and so forth. At the same time, the false sense of security sometimes seems to allow the floodgates of truth to be yeah. opened. And so I kind of went back and forth on like, oh, McAfee, can you grill him on this? And then you're like, but the fact that he's not, he's just like digging his own grave here. Yeah. And McAfee really hardly asked any questions at all. Like he, I mean, he hardly talked the whole time. So that I think was really, I think I agree with you. Like Aaron, I mean, I used to watch it every, I hadn't really tuned in this season, but last year I was watching it. We're trying to watch it like every Tuesday and he's going on again today. I don't know what time he's going on, but Tuesdays are his day um, on the McAfee show. And I used to watch all the time last year because it was really interesting. Like he was getting like a version of Aaron that like regular reporters in the press conference setting really weren't getting. Um, so he would really go into detail and into depth on a lot of stuff. And it was like super, super entertaining last year. Um, so yeah. So I don't necessarily think like, Oh, Pat, Pat is bad at what he like no like pat's like not a journalist mm -hmm. he's he was clearly not going to be the person who was going to press aaron and all these things the only part where i was like okay like that was bad was when he's like agreeing with aaron on every point like you don't you don't need to like agree with him just like let him talk but you don't need to be like yeah man great idea like yes uh-huh because at one point he was like yeah um i think he said something like i'm gonna need to go do my research now and I'm like, what? <laughs> it's <laughs> right. just like a comment that wasn't necessary because there was literally nothing Aaron said that like required further digging. And pretty much everything had been proven false already. So I don't know that part. I was like, okay, that was a little not necessary, but otherwise, yeah, I think I agree with you. Like he's, he wasn't going to do that rant probably, um, you know, in front of the green Bay media in a press conference. Um, although, you know, he is, he is one of the more open people in press mm -hmm. conferences uh, among athletes. Uh, he does really talk a lot and he does get pretty in depth about it, but I don't think we would have gotten that in like a team setting. So I, I do agree with there. Um, yeah. It was wild. It sort of caught, just caught my interest because I did a long form thing on athletes and or football players specifically in podcasting uh, mm. earlier this year based around Patrick Peterson. And what I found with Patrick yeah. Peterson is they, they had it as a big goal of theirs to like, we're not going to grill guys. We're just going to like tell stories and throw footballs at each other. But they made headlines like a dozen times, like Teddy Bridgewater saying, uh, yeah, that Carolina coaching staff, they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. Right. And so like letting the guard down. So I, I think that sometimes maybe journalists get a little defensive about it. And in a lot of ways, it reveals way more information to us to follow up on, look into investigate. And that's, yeah. and, and Rogers was just, I am outing myself as like a mush brain at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, so that anyway, well, uh, the one thing you said earlier that I thought 
was one of the thoughts that I had about it is that, um, you know, you said, obviously, like, you know, he's basically a celebrity. He only hangs out with celebrities. So, you know, it's not that surprising that he thinks he's above everyone else or like has a different set of rules. And that I thought was really interesting because I did a story earlier this summer where I talked to a bunch of like just regular Joe players in the league, um, kept them anonymous, just like asked for their vaccine thoughts. And a lot of them like had similar questions that Aaron was asking and like were kind of vaccine hesitant, but ended up getting it because it was just easier than fighting the NFL Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to play by the unvaccinated rules. And so all of them just decided like, yeah, I'm just going to get it. Except for one, there was one guy who, who didn't, and he was also, kind of a wealthier more powerful type of player not Mm -hmm. a quarterback but like along those lines um anyway so I thought it was really interesting that the lengths that Aaron was able to go to that I don't think I'm not saying they're unavailable to every player but I don't I just don't think it would occur to like a you know second string tight end that he would be able to present his homeopathic thing to the NFL and have them like actually take it seriously and like respond to him. I just, and I think they would, I think the NFL would do it for any player, but I don't think that's going into the brains of, you know, the not quarterback elite, very wealthy celebrity types. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's just like the actual like links that he went to and like all the research he was able to get because of his status and position. Yeah, and I think the other part of it too is that if you do certain things in the NFL, um, you're probably going to get just like cut or yeah, no right. team's going to want you. Right. Uh, whereas Rodgers can demand that they allow him to pick his own wide receivers in trades and then like, okay, Jordan Love is really bad. I guess we have to. And it's like, oh, I, I'm going to go out and just lie to the entire nation about what I'm doing here and uh, the you know fans and everybody else and – and they're just, well, I guess we have to let you because you're you and that kind of thing. So, I mean, he's always had this attitude of, well, I'm really great. So I can just do whatever I want. I can treat people however I want. I can whatever else. So I, I thought like some of the other stuff, football reporting, I don't re- you know, it's hard to get into like whether you should listen to Joe Rogan or not. I guess that's your choice if you want to. Uh, I prefer that you listen to this show about football. Um, but just from the perspective of like, who he is and how that team's had to deal with him and all those different things. I thought that it showed his whole ass would be one way to put it. Just you showed exactly how the guys who like Jermichael Finley, who trash him at every, every chance they get like, yeah, those guys are probably telling us what is, what is real there, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's crazy because I used to like really defend him um, when in all of the things that he did, I was like, Oh yeah, like he's worth it. Like, the front office should definitely let him do whatever he wants. They should keep him involved in the conversations. Like I was always like picking his side because I kind of understood it. And now I'm like, okay, well, uh, not anymore. <laughs> like we're done with that. Exactly. Exactly. My reaction. Like, yeah, you should have drafted him a wide receiver, but also, Oh my gosh, you've been <laughs> dealing with this guy. So let's yeah. uh, let's move on from this because now like Howard Stern is talking about Aaron oh, Rodgers okay. and yeah. all this. It's be, it's sort of transcended sports and that's when I can't handle it anymore. So uh, let me start with this question. Then I have five kind of quicker questions for you about the second half of the NFL season. Who, if you were to pick right now, will be the best team in the NFC North in the year 2023. Will it be 
Vikings, Packers, Bears, or Lions in the year 2023? Very interesting question. Um, well, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers is probably not on the Packers in 2023. Uh, He's podcasting or has a Substack. Yeah. So I don't think it'll be the Packers because Jordan Love – I mean, yes, we, we still don't have a ton to go off of there, but it wasn't very impressive in his debut. Um, so I don't know. I just don't know that he's really going to be like that good. I think he'll be serviceable, but I just don't think they're going to – I don't think they've hit on like another Hall of Fame quarterback there. Uh, so, you know what, I might honestly say – Oh my god, this is like such a hard question because I love <laughs> I love Dan Campbell in Detroit, and like I think that like he is going to be able to build something. But like right now, they literally have no one on that team who is like build around really potential. Like they just are starting from scratch there. So I don't even I don't think I don't know because it's just like who who's going to be on their team? Like I have no idea who's going to be on their team in two years. Um, but I love Dan Campbell. So I'll say this. The Lions won't be the worst. They will not be the worst team. Okay. I would actually pick maybe the Bears just because of Justin Fields right now because I think, you know, yesterday he had a season high passing or career, you know, because this is his first season, career high passing, 291 yards. The game before that he had a career high rushing. So, like, the last two weeks with Justin Fields, we've he's lost both times, of course, because he plays for the Bears. But – he's shown us things that are very, very exciting and like really interesting. And I think, you know, conditional here, if Matt Nagy is not the coach in 2023, I think the bears are the best team um, in the NFC North. So that's how I'll answer it. Although I do, I mean, Matt LaFleur, I think is also a really great coach. I think there's two good coaches. I mean, Dan Campbell questionable. I don't know if he's really actually a good coach, like X's and O's, but, but I love his brand and I love like his honesty and I think players really like him. So like, I think that goes a long way. Um, some of his coaching decisions have been like totally epic and some have made no sense. So um, I don't know about him, like as an actual, as like a making decisions for the game type of coach, but like for, you know, a brand and inspiring the guys. I love him. So I'll say, I will definitely say bears because of Justin Fields, because I think they actually, might have the quarterback this time and and the vikings get no mentions on this for me <laughs> oh yeah sorry i didn't talk about vikings. they're um, they're gonna be 500 that's pretty much what you could say listen, right? <laughs> kirk cousins is a good quarterback and i don't really care what people say i think he's a good quarterback he's been playing really well this season um i just don't think he'll be there like i don't know like I don't know what – I really have no idea what direction the Vikings are going to be heading except for the fact that I think Mike Zimmer is on his last few games here. Um, I don't think – it would surprise me if he let, made it through this whole season without mm -hmm. getting fired. That would surprise me. When Are the Vikings a team that fires coaches in season? I can't remember. Well, they've had the same coach for so long right. uh, that there isn't really a pattern of behavior. They did fire Brad Childress midseason. They didn't with Les Frazier, okay. but Brad, but Brad Childress was a very unique situation. Brad Childress basically like lied to ownership. He cut Randy Moss without telling them that he was going to cut Randy Moss in the middle right. of 2010. So that was a little bit weird. 
beyond that, I think with Mike Tice, they may have waited till the very end with him. I don't remember exactly, but okay. I mean, this is, I mean, we're talking very few times that they've had to fire a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know the bears like have actually never in the history of the team ever mm. fired anyone during the season. So that's why, like, I think, I don't know. I think Maggie will make it through the season, but I don't think, I don't know. I mean, I still have no idea. I always think he's getting fired and he's not fired. So I don't know, but I think for the good of Justin Fields and his development, I do think they need a new coach. Um, Even though, you know, there's the flip side of that is like, do you really want to change everything on a rookie after they had one year? And then you want them to start over with a new offensive coordinator and a new head coach and a new scheme and everything. In this situation, I would say it's worth it because, I mean, like just the game. What was the game? Um, Oh, the Buccaneers game when they were Mm -hmm. totally destroyed in Tampa. He was sitting on the bench and he just looked like totally like hopeless. Like he was giving up. Like there was nothing in him willing to live. And it's just like, (laughs) that is just not, that is not. And I understand he's played better than the two following weeks, but it's like, there's still just been a lot of problems um, and just a lot of things that make you question like the coaching, like the amount of penalties that the bears had last night, some of them were not deserved, but I would say at least half of them were like valid, like Mm -hmm. so many offsides, so many false starts. Those are like little things that just make you question. Like this team is like not well coached right now. Like this shouldn't be happening. And I get it. He had COVID. He was gone well, he's back now. So uh, fix it, essentially. Uh, And it's just never getting fixed. Um, So yeah, but yeah, so the Vikings, I think, are facing a upcoming coaching change. And then I just, I'm not sure, like, the direction of the team. I mean, Kellen Mond is not really what you would call like, an inspiring quarterback of the future if they right. move on so, I mean, in an unfortunate situation like it's that a it's good confusing. to have someone in your corner that's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers compensation laws there's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will provide you with dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. This is why I like the question, because I think 
you, we know the direction of the bears and lions, the lions will yeah. lose all their games and they'll probably draft. This is just my guess that they'll draft the guy from Oregon. Who's a beast pass rusher. And then the next year after that, they'll draft their quarterback and then they'll yeah. go from there. But it's like a three, four year type of plan. No quarterbacks in this draft this year. Right. That's what makes it tough to draft someone because they'll get number one or number two overall pick. Right. So they should probably just take the freakiest freak and then try to build up the roster. So yeah. we know where that that train is headed. It may end up like the Jets where it just never gets off the ground despite all the tanking or, you know, maybe they'll turn it around. Uh, the Bears are going to build around Justin Fields with someone else as probably the head coach and probably deservingly the general manager. Mm -hmm. uh, the Vikings are probably going to have a new head coach, a new quarterback, a new general manager, too, within that, that time span. And so it really, I mean, the Packers, the door would be open for them to continue to be at the top, except for their quarterback has made it a completely untenable situation, which ties into our opening conversation. I think that, I think that they'll be looking for a different person than Jordan Love. So it's really hard to project even who their yeah. quarterback is going to be. And right. so I get, I guess the point of the question is like, it's a really crazy division to think about for the next couple of years. Yeah. Cause I could see the Packers like trying to get, a veteran of some kind from somewhere else. Like maybe they're able to do, I don't know if that would work, but maybe they're able to do some kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers, and someone, a lot of other things from the 49ers. Right. <laughs> sort of like trade scenario there. Or, and I, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not like, you know, a world beater or anything, but he's probably better than Jordan Love um, at this point. Uh, so that could be kind of interesting. I don't know, but they could, I could see them in the market for, you know, a veteran. Um, but it'll, it will be really interesting what sort of judgment they're going to place on Jordan Love by the end of this year, because this off season, there are going to be some quarterbacks available, obviously Deshaun Watson, um, obviously, well, I don't know, obviously, but like Russell Wilson, maybe, tried to, you know, made some noise last off season, like Aaron and then nothing happened. So, you know, there's, there are going to be some like proven and good quarterbacks out there. So I just don't know that they're, they'll move this, this quickly, but maybe they will, if, if they're going to really lose Aaron this off season, then maybe they'll be in it too. What do you make of the Watson thing? I mean, supposedly some teams tried to trade three first round picks for him and the Texans weren't taking it, but we also don't know the other parts of this. Yeah. Uh, it seems a little odd to me to be saying, yeah, take the future of our franchise in terms of draft picks for a guy who's accused of a lot and a lot yeah. of things. But then on the other part of it, I think about Michael Vick. Uh, I'm not going to rank terrible things people did, but like really bad. And the yeah. Eagles brought him back. And at first it was a lot of people upset and then everyone forgot about it when he won football games. And I guess we could talk about the moral elements of that, but it, like the reality is generally football fans don't care. And so it's like, Oh, it, if they traded for Deshaun Watson, there'd be a handful of people outside picketing, but everybody else would be excited because he would throw touchdowns. And it's always, it's always been a little gross to say, but it just seems to be what it is when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, no, he'll definitely play again. Um, definitely con conditional statement, depending on when, if he faces criminal charges, because if he does, we still don't know if he's going to face criminal charges. And I think ultimately that is why um, the trade didn't go down because like, I know that these teams for the most part 
were like, oh, well, we don't care if he's, if he can't play next year, like that we'll, we'll have him, you know, that we know that we'll have him maybe the following year, if he misses like four to five games next year or whatever. But we just don't know if he's facing criminal charges. Like we don't know. He, he could go to jail. There is a chance he could go to jail if he's facing criminal charges. We don't know that yet. Um, I know, you know, there are reports out there that the Dolphins wanted him to settle all of his lawsuits. Um, and previously he had been very opposed to settling all those lawsuits because um, the women wanted everything out there or Deshaun wanted everything out there. The women obviously wanted to keep things a little bit more private um, mm-hmm. for their own safety. And the two sides could not agree on whether uh, the details were going to become public or if they were going to become private, if they settled. So anyways, um, I just think ultimately, I think teams were really, really, really close to doing it. And I think what I think probably this tipping off point was to risk your team's future and give up three first round picks. You have to know he's going to play. So I think the Texans, my understanding is that they didn't want these first round picks to be conditional first round. Mm, Right. They wanted them to just be flat out first round picks, which I understand because he's worth that. He, as a football player, he's absolutely worth that price and and somebody will pay it once they know what's going to happen to him. But without knowing if he's going to be available next year, if he could actually lead a team to the playoffs next year, it's like you have to put to be to make this a smart football trade, it has to be conditional. And I think that was the sticking point because the Texans didn't want that, obviously. But these other teams were like, it doesn't make sense for us to risk our future with these straight up first round picks if we don't even know if he's how how many games he can play next year if he can even play at all next year, like it's just so unclear right now. I know he'll play again. It's just who knows when. And the, the crazy thing is I don't understand like what his team and what his side is trying to do here, because if he had just settled these in the, over the summer, he'd be on another, he'd be playing right now. He'd be on mm-hmm. another team. And yes, he could still face criminal charges, but you know, they have, they would have this season essentially to have him play and then maybe we find out in the off season about his criminal charges but i really think if he had just settled these and agreed to whatever it is that the women um and their and their lawyer is asking for i think he would be playing football right now and like i I just don't understand like i mean i i don't get it it seems very stubborn and like short-sighted and just like a uh you know a fight to really prove that you're innocent and it's like fine you can believe that but do you want to play football or not like what what do you want so that that's interesting to me because i feel like if he would have settled i think he would be he would have been traded he'd be playing somewhere i mean the dolphins pretty much like from the reports he would be a miami dolphin right now if, if he had settled these lawsuits the crazy part to me, and I'll get this question every once in a while, of like after this year, should the Vikings look into it if they trade Kirk Cousins? And my thing is always, okay, so he did this before. I wasn't thinking that Michael Vick would have dogs fight again. <laughs> That's probably something that he wouldn't choose to get involved with again. This is something that I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can sort of talk that out of somebody if that's kind of who they are. And I would be really concerned, not just like the trading draft picks part, but making him your franchise quarterback. Look at how it is shredded the Houston Texans whole entire organization to have this go down. I mean, is that something you want to trade a bunch of draft picks and risk having him get in trouble for something similar to this again? I mean, that seems like, 
I mean, you do something like that one time and get or accused of it, you're pretty concerned about that person. Like, dude, that is messed up. But when you have this mass of people who he has allegedly done it to, I, I would be really concerned that he would go to jail eventually or would get suspended again or anything else. I mean, we've seen other teams sort of say like Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger. Guess we'll see. Uh, but I mean, that's that seemed to be like one incident, not 22 right. incidents. So it, it almost shocks me that teams are willing to take even that type of risk, even if it is conditional. Yeah, I I mean, personally, yes, I agree with you, but I'm not surprised that teams want quarterbacks. To. Yeah. I mean, these people are desperate and like Carolina, I think Matt Rule is really, really, really desperate right now. Um, although I, I wouldn't say he's on the hot seat. He, he'll survive this season mm-hmm. and he'll get to he'll get to 2022 as, as their head coach. But I think if you look at that team, he's picked two quarterbacks that are wrong now. Um, they didn't inherit, he didn't inherit a quarterback there. I mean, I guess Kim Newton, but you know, they wanted to move on from him. So, you know, he picks Teddy Bridgewater and that wasn't the right choice. He picks Sam Darnold. That wasn't the right choice. So I think Matt rule is really feeling the pressure of like, Oh shit. Like I have to pick a third quarterback, you know, like I, I have to do this again. And like, if I get this, if I get the third one wrong, like I, I'm out, you know, because like who gets to pick three quarterbacks in three consecutive right. years? Like, that's never happens. So I think he's feeling it in the same way that like Brian Flores and the Dolphins are because they, I mean, and theirs is almost a little bit worse in my opinion because they could have had Justin Herbert, who was so good. Um, I was always a big fan. I, I was always a Herbert over to a supporter. So I will. Um, you know, plant that flag whenever I get a chance to. But um, yeah, so I think I think they're feeling it in the same way of like, well, you know, we didn't draft the right one. It's almost like what the Rams are doing where you see they drafted Jared Groff and now they're like, we're never going to draft anyone ever again because, <laughs> yeah. because it's, it's not worth it. And I actually like love that. I like love what they're doing there. It makes so much sense to me because you never know what anyone in the draft is going to turn into. There's always a level of risk there, but particularly with the quarterbacks, there's just a huge level of risk. You know, you don't know how they're going to transition. Um, you know, so if I think it is smart to just be like, yeah, I have all my draft picks. I'm going to take Von Miller and I'm going to take, um, you know, who else Matt Stafford. And I'm going to take, you know, these guys who I already know how they play at this level. And I know exactly how I want to use them. Um, Cause I've seen them play professional football. So I think that's actually really smart. So, so that's why it doesn't really surprise me because I think that, you know, they, those, these teams probably view that as a more viable way for success than starting over in the draft. It is a really fascinating strategy. I think part of it that you really touched on there is it has to come down to job security. I mean, if you're afraid for your job, you're probably taking risks you shouldn't take. But if you are Sean McVay and less need, you probably feel pretty secure with your jobs. Like you've done nothing but succeed there after Jeff Fisher seven and nine to you for a bunch of years. Right. So you feel like we're, we're in a really good spot. And so we can kind of go all in. If it doesn't work, we'll very likely get some other years to build it back up eventually. Um, the only, the only thing I would say about like, you know, giving away all of your draft picks for proven players, it's like, if Von Miller tweaks his ankle again or something, you yeah. just gave up so much and these guys get hurt, you know? So 
that that's another part of it. But I think job security really plays into it. Yeah. Um, okay. Let me ask you these, these questions about the, the middle of the season here. I've really enjoyed the, the discussion of kind of, yeah. I didn't expect us to go down the Deshaun Watson ra- rabbit hole, but it is something that's like lingering over the NFL that you're like this elite yeah. quarterback who had an all time great start to his career is just not playing football and no one knows where he's going to play. Right. Um, okay. How about this? Give me three teams that you think can win the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh. Top three teams on your list that you think if, if I gave you a thousand dollars, I said, you got to spend this a thousand dollars, $333 and 33 cents on three different teams. How about okay. that for math? Okay. Okay. Let's go. I'm going to go Buccaneers Buccaneers again. Unfortunately, um, I hate picking repeats, but I do think that they are just as good. Um, even despite losing to New Orleans, um, they have the bye this week, but uh, they lost to New Orleans the previous week. Uh, I think they're still really good. And um, obviously, you know, they brought back everybody. So it's very, it's a very similar team. Um, and, I, you know, I, it's not, and it stands in like stark contrast to like what we're seeing from the Chiefs who have like completely just devolved into Lord even knows what. Um, <laughs> you know, so I would say the Buccaneers not going to pick the Chiefs because I just I don't see it for them. I'm going to pick the Titans. And even because even without Derrick Henry, like they were OK, you know, so because um, I think that was a big question mark is like, how are they going to do without him since he just like carried that entire team? So I'm going to pick the Titans. And then I think I would pick the Packers. I think I would pick the Packers because um, I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to start playing like shit because of Aaron's drama. I think they're going to be able to get past that and everything's going to be fine. I just I don't see that as like an off the field issue that's actually going to impact them on the field um yeah so i'd pick i'd pick the packers too um those would be my three folks have you ever thought about taking a bike to work but figure it's too far or that the hills are too steep or heck who wants to show up to work covered in sweat well that's why you need to check out the electric cruiser bike from my friends at boogie bikes the boogie bike gives you all the experience of saving gas getting outside and feeling the wind through your hair say if you have a haircut like that green bay quarterback Uh, but you don't have to be an olympic cyclist in order to get all those benefits the boogie bike has a strong yet quiet motor sensitive pedal assist and a very comfortable seat for you to cruise along for miles and miles don't settle for a low quality bike the boogie bike is built in wisconsin using its highest quality parts from around the world and honestly it looks cool and goes fast go to boogiebikes.com get yourself an electric bike today and use the promo code skull s-k-o-l to get 250 dollars off your purchase and a nice basket as well By the way, there is no risk within the first 15 days. You can try a boogie bike and boogie bikes have an industry leading five-year warranty as well. Again, go to boogiebikes.com. Check them out today. The reason I like the question is because they're really, I mean, outside of Tampa Bay, there's no obvious next pick, except though, I might say that I buy Zona. I think I'm buying Zona. You can win with Colt McCoy. I and agree. I think that says something about it. I them. think they're legit too. I do. I do. It's interesting because like the NFC North has like one team only. 
Yes. Um, and I was looking at the division lineups before this and or the division records. And it's, it's funny. It's like the NFC North, the AFC South, and then the NFC East are like the same where there's just one good one team, team in the division. And then everyone else is like trash um, and has like really straight up losing records. So there's like one re- winning record and everyone else is like, you know, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And the Rams are not part of my list and they're not part of yours because I think we no. watching the NFC North are like, <laughs> come on. We yeah. know what, we know what he'll do. It's what he'll, what he did the other night when he did the yeah. spinning whirly bird interception. I think you and I probably went like, Oh yeah. Seen him do that a few yeah. times. I, lo- I do love Matt Stafford. I don't know why I just don't feel like secure in the Rams. Um, I think probably just recency bias of that last game because they had been playing really, really well up until that point. But yeah, I mean, I am am a Stafford fan because I felt like he never got the support he needed or like the help or anything. And now I think he finally has it. But yeah, I think I'd pick Cardinals over Rams. Um, Me too. Well, I think that it's clearly true that he didn't get the support a lot of the time, bad coaching or whatever else, but also that you can't take the Stafford out of Stafford. And I read this morning, like, well, Stafford's got an ankle injury. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. he always has a something injury. That's like, well, he dropped off in the second half because of that thumb. It's like, but it's always that. A back injury. A back injury is coming for him soon. Probably. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so give me a, give me a low key one that like, you wouldn't be terribly shocked if they ended up in the Super Bowl that are not considered a contender. Now the one for me might either be the chargers or the Browns. I almost want to say Browns. the Browns. Yeah. yeah. Or the, I love the chargers too. Yeah. Those are both really good picks. I love the chargers. I love Justin Herbert. And I think Brandon Staley is doing a really good job there. Um, you know, they've hit a rough patch over the last couple of games. Um, but yeah, I would say, yeah, I would. I, I can't pick between those two. If I had to pick between those two, I'd pick the Chargers. Um, only because I think Herbert is better than Baker. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think both of those teams are really good, really good dark horse picks. I might lean Browns because offensive and defensive line, you get in the playoffs. Like they really yeah. do have True. as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, give me a team that you were right about. And you are, like you said, flying the flag, nailed it with this team, and one where you're um, trying to delete the tweets. Um, I would say I nailed it with the Bears. I don't know that I really like published many predictions, but just like mental in my mind predictions. Because at Defector, it's actually great. We don't do like season previews, <laughs> right? Or, right, you know, right. All the chores <laughs> that you'd have to be like, okay, let me pick my teams, like whatever. Right. We definitely didn't do any of those. So, like, I don't think I actually published. There's no proof of me, like, saying these things. Is that <laughs> tweeting thing? Right. Um, I would say uh, the Bears, just because I actually did tweet that I thought Justin Fields would be the starter by week three. Uh, and I, I was actually dead right about that. Like, that was the week that he started his first game. Because um, he came in the previous week against Andy Dalton. So I think I was I, I was right about that one because I just felt like there's no way Andy Dalton is playing this season. And I, I didn't think it would be for injury. I thought he would just end up getting benched. But, um, you know, it worked out the way it worked out. Um, so that was the team I'm right about. Uh, and I also obviously didn't think they would actually like be good. I was like, this mm-hmm. is going to be a rough year of like settling into a new quarterback and, you know, putting a rookie in maybe before they wanted to type of thing. Um 
I think I nailed it with them. Also, I think I nailed it with the Jaguars. Again, I never published this, but I was like, this is going to be so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, it's probably even worse than I predicted it being. Um, So, although they are coming off another win, that was shocking. So maybe they are going to turn it around. But I was just like, there's no way Urban Meyer is going to be a good NFL coach. There's there's no way. There's zero chance. So... (laughs) You know, I guess the jury is still out, but so far I've been right about that. I mean, his first move was to hire a racist strength coach. And I yeah, think I mean, so bad right off the bat. Whoops. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, not no. great. Um, well, for me, it would be uh, right about um, McCorkle. Uh, is that how you say his name? Matt oh. Jones, McCorkle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, th- I thought he would, I just thought, he had a good chance to be good um, yeah. that people were acting like because he didn't run the four, four forty that he would just like fall down and not be able to play in the NFL. And well, cheap quarterbacks teams spend a lot of money around them. He hasn't been perfect, but he's been decent. Good. Like he could play in the NFL. So that one I thought would happen um, wrong. I would say, well, I mean, I think we're all wrong about Kansas city. I, I don't think anybody expected that to happen. San Francisco is probably where it's the most wrong. I, when I was looking through the Vikings schedule at the beginning of the year, I was like, Oh man, they got to go out to San Francisco. Like they're going to bounce back and not worried about the Jimmy G Trey Lance dynamic. Yeah. They'll, uh, they'll, if Jimmy G's healthy, they'll be great. And that sort of thing. And they're just not good. And then I, I don't know, like, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's fastball has been figured out or whatever, but they're just, they're just bad. Yeah. And uh, so that looks like an easier game for the Vikings, although no game is actually easy for the Vikings. Yeah. But that that that's one where I thought mm. I also expected Pittsburgh to be horrendous. And I guess I should just never underestimate Mike Tomlin. Yeah, they're not. They're right. bad, but they're not horrendous. Right. Yeah. They're, um, they're still good. Next one for you is just who's the MVP? It's a tough MVP race. I don't even know who it is. Well, that is a good question. I was going to say like Kyler, um, but now he's, you know, I don't know. I guess he's only missed one game. So we'll see how that goes with his, what was it like sprained ankle? I think. Um, and then before that, I mean, obviously it should have been Derek Henry, but you know, a running back will never win um, that award, but it should have been him before he got hurt. Cause he was like doing some, he was on, I can't remember what's, there was a stat that I read and I'm not going to be able to pull it out now, but it was just like totally insane. He was like going to shatter all the records for mm-hmm. everything. And obviously with an extra game, you know, he would have done this. So, um, so I, I think I would have said him before that. Um, it's uh, a good question. Yeah. I think, I think it would have been Kyler. I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't think Colt McCoy's one magical day. No. Takes away. <laughs> Although I do think Aaron has been playing. Rogers has actually been playing really, really well. Um, and he won last year. Was that right? He last year. Yeah. I don't know if they would vote it for him, even if he has a great second half yeah. of the season after this. Now, Brady is a possibility still after, right. you know, he had a bad game against New Orleans, but that's possible. Um, you know, maybe the other choice, because it's always going to be a quarterback. You know, right. That's how it goes. Right. Maybe if somebody gets hot, because they won't give it to Tannehill, even if he plays amazing the rest of the year. But maybe if Dak gets it back and they win oh, like yeah. 13 games, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, right now it's wide open though. Yeah, I agree. Oh, 
Okay, last one for you. How many teams at the end of the year fire their coaches? Or before the end of the year, if the Vikings lose the next two? <laughs> um, definitely Vikings. I'd say Vikings, Bears. That's two. Uh, Giants. Half oh. two, right? I mean, my gosh. I don't think the Giants are going to fire their coach. Really? They might. I don't know. Like, what about I, the Judgment Day headlines? I know. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of like on the fence about that one. Um, Urban won't get fired, but he might leave. <laughs> hard hard issues. Needs to spend more time with family. That's yeah. Funny. <laughs> um, I did have Gruden on my list, but that already happened. So, um, not for the reasons you know shocking reasons that we didn't expect um i'm forgetting like i'm definitely forgetting someone right now what about brian flores you think he's out oh that's a good question um i don't think so i think they'll wait maybe one more year but also if they literally don't win again then maybe not but you know they just now they're at what two and seven now two and six two and seven they have two wins i think so that's a that's a watch definitely a watch list for that one um i'm definitely missing somebody well i don't think ron rivera is going anywhere the eagles might just fire their coach after one year because like who is that guy (laughs) yeah Yeah. he was just here to because someone needed to run the team now we're gonna go get a real yeah and like the jacksons won't fire cully after one year even though they're so bad campbell would be fine even though they might not win a single game um uh someone's gonna collapse you know here's a low-key one zach taylor if if they totally collapse and they yeah. end up like seven and ten after a great start, yeah. they might just be like, okay, someone else needs to drop an offense where more than five people want. Yeah, because he was on definitely on the hot seat coming into this season, mm-hmm. and then they were doing really well. And now I don't know what's going on. So, yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Okay. I have enjoyed this conversation. It went in a lot of different places, and it always does <laughs> uh, when we talk. So people can follow you uh, at Kaylin Kaler, which is K-A-L-Y-N. We've gone over that in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Jalen Holmes got cut, by the way. Oh, no. Yeah. Did he end even, up anywhere else? I don't even know. Maybe the Texans. The answer is always the Texans. Like, probably yeah, the Texans totally. picked him up. Uh, but you have the the similar. He's with the Saints. He's with the Saints. So. Oh, with the Saints. Okay. The mm-hmm. L before Y is where people can follow you. And Defector, yes. if you haven't subscribed to Defector, it's just fantastic. And I'm really glad that you ended up landing there. It's a perfect fit for yeah. you. So I'm glad we could get together again. And uh, I feel it. like we can do this again with an end of the season quiz or something like that. We'll get yes. together again soon. Yes. Thanks so much.